Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I love your podcast. This is gold. This is where it's at. Welcome back to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast, a.k.a. the Build Your Dream Life podcast. I am so excited for this episode today with Gigi Robinson. Gigi was born with a chronic illness. Gigi is a digital artist, health and wellness advocate, and graduate of the University of Southern California with a Bachelor's in Fine Arts Design and Photography. She has a strong presence across TikTok, 100,000 views on average, and Instagram. Gigi is a social media maven, mental health and chronic illness advocate, sports illustrated swim model, thought leader, and creating impactful social impact content across all platforms. She's also a Spotify host of the show Everything Is Within. I'm super excited to release this episode today as Gigi has a remarkable story. Despite all of her physical challenges due to her chronic illness that threatened her path to become who she is today, she has challenged adversity and dedicated a majority of her life to become a master content creator but her content is about helping change the narrative around being a health advocate for yourself. Her content is real, it's authentic, and it's helping make space for people who are facing their own adversities in life. In this episode, we dive into her own personal story, how she started creating content, why she started creating content, how she's using social media as a force for good, and how she's building this incredible life, and how you can too. There's so many bits of gold in this episode, and I'm so excited for you to listen today. So with that, enjoy the show. Gigi, welcome to the Bits of Gold podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to dive into your story. I have been following you along on LinkedIn. I am also a LinkedIn power user. I know you love LinkedIn among all the other platforms, but really love your story. Love what you've done in the past couple of years and just so excited to share your story with my audience today. Likewise, I'm happy to be here. And yes, for those that don't know, get your ass on LinkedIn. It's game changing. (laughs) LinkedIn's definitely a powerful tool. Let's take it back. I'd love to, I'd love if you could share a little bit about your story. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Well, again, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here on this show, just talking about kind of motivation and living your best life. But I guess before I dive into that, you probably want to know, well, how do you do that yourself? So around age 10, I was diagnosed with a chronic illness called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. It's a connective tissue disorder. And at the time, it was considered rare because there was not that much research on it. Doctors were like, you have what? And it was a really challenging thing to live with. However, over the past decade, there's been a lot more you know, uncovering and research done that it's not even considered rare anymore. It's rare to be diagnosed young. And by young, I mean like under 30. 
So anyhow, I was diagnosed with this condition. It left doctors kind of perplexed. It left my parents like trying to help me get pain relief wherever I was. I mean, I was like a you know teenager dealing with all of this chronic pain in my body, thinking it was just normal, thinking if I just did the physical therapy, it would go away. If I just like swam a little bit more, it would go away. Or if I ignored it, that it would go away. Obviously, that's not the case. You can't change a genetic illness by mm -hmm. trying to do a mind over matter moment. That doesn't really work. So I spent, you know, high school and middle school in and out of doctors trying to figure out what was wrong. And then I also at the same time kind of took up photography and videography and also started posting on social media more so to utilize social media as like a portfolio moment where I could share my photo assets online and try to cultivate this community around it. And then that was really fun and successful. And then I went to college. I went to FIT for a year and I was here in New York City doing that, but I knew it wasn't the right fit in my gut. I developed like some disordered eating habits during that year. Some like I would say temporary, you know, motions of depression or depressive states. And that was also not good. And then I transferred to the University of Southern California where most things were going well, except for the fact that I had teachers not believing that I was chronically ill because I was still suffering. I started having really intense migraines to the point where like they would debilitate me. I couldn't go to class for, you know, eight hours. And if you have a full course load, that's like usually like two classes or three classes in a day. So it was really, really challenging in college. And then I got to a point where my chronic illness and my pain was getting to a level that was just completely unbearable for me. And I ended up having to take a medically reduced course load. And that is really the moment I think where I ended up being like, okay, something needs to change. I need to talk about my story a little bit more. Other people have to be going through this. Why does it feel like such a you know guilt trip to take a medically reduced course load to not graduate technically with everyone else from your class to like take care of yourself? Why do I feel guilty for doing that when I should be being a student? So I started making art about it and posting about it online. And I guess I would say the rest is history. Wow. So let's just take a step back. So you're born with this chronic illness. You're growing up with it. It sounds like really once you transferred colleges, when like you started to have a difficult time with like professors, but I am curious about your childhood. Was your childhood difficult or did you have any challenges around your childhood navigating with this chronic illness? I wasn't diagnosed formally until I was about 10 years old. So from what I know, I had hypermobility. So essentially I was on the swim team and I would like be able to like do full strokes of butterfly because of the hypermobility in my shoulders. And by proxy, my shoulders would hurt. And it was like, oh, obviously your shoulders are going to hurt if you can like hyperextend them more than like the normal person. And you're also not like conditioning your body and strengthening around those muscles. Like I have to work twice as hard as somebody who has like a regular healthy body. So my like, you know, younger years, was I struggling? Maybe, but I was also like unaware because I was just mm. being a kid, I think. And I didn't know how to articulate myself. It was definitely more towards like my early teens that I started struggling a lot, you know, dealing with like 
people always asking, well, why do you need a rolling backpack? Which quite frankly is none of their business. Why can you use your iPad? Also none of their business. Why do you take the elevator? None of their business. And I didn't really know how to like articulate or answer those things. And I would just say, oh, I have like a condition or, oh, I just have an injury or whatever. And then also like people would ask me like hang out after school and I would have to go to physical therapy or like actual therapy or a doctor's appointment or get my blood drawn. And I would just say I was like meeting my mom for lunch because I was embarrassed that I was sick as like a kid or as a Mm. middle schooler even through high school. And then, yeah, I think in college is when I started to like take the ropes back. What's that like to be in college? Like you're going to the school and it sounds like the professors were giving you a hard time, maybe not believing you or what was that like? It was horrible. I don't think that any student should go through what I went through ever again. Like it's not okay. Was it that the professors just were giving you a hard time for the sake of giving you a hard time or they just like didn't believe what you were telling them? I mean, like I have an injury in my right wrist. It looks no different than my left wrist. Honestly, like it really doesn't. They look pretty much the exact same. Yeah. And she couldn't see it. I had a 504 disability accommodation approved by my doctor, approved with student health services, approved with the office of accommodations. And yet the teacher still didn't think that there was anything wrong because like they couldn't see it. And so... I didn't, again, know how to articulate my feelings or emotions or stand up to the teacher. The teacher would say things like, oh, also, I I know I mentioned that this happened. It didn't happen once. It happened like three times. So that's kind of crazy by three separate teachers. So yeah, it's mind boggling. It, It really is. And so this one drawing teacher was just like, you need to work harder. I know you can draw better. I only want to help you reach your highest potential, which is like super manipulative and really like demeaning. And they would also do this in front of the entire class. It wasn't like, oh, Gigi, come to the side. Like, let's talk about a plan to like do better. It was like, no, you could do better, like in front of the whole Mm -hmm. class. And there were moments where I remember like kids in the class turning to me and being like, "Mm, what just happened? And I was like, I don't know, like, like, I have no idea. But also, I think we're in this really interesting time where like Gen Z specifically is feeling more confident than ever to confront teachers when they make mistakes and have these open conversations. And also, like my experience started happening in 2017. That was five years ago at this point. So, you know, that wait, five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to make sure that I did my math right. (laughs) And that's on being an art major. Um, No, I'm just kidding. I'm really smart. Yeah. So basically, five years ago, would I have ever like said to a teacher like, um, that's really not okay. You could discuss with my disability advisor. Probably not. But what I did do instead to kind of heal and work through at least the first bout of struggle with this one teacher was create a final project that was about kind of having this fragmented view on life. And I can try to find the photo or uncover it from like, again, five years ago. So I have to like dig deep for it. But Mm. essentially, it was a mountainscape. And you're kind of like looking out of it from like a car and you see yourself in the rear view mirror as well as like the road behind you. So it's not only about the road ahead of you and what you're going to overcome in the future, which are obviously mountains, up and down, high, lows, 
it's about like the road behind you and how far you've come. So that's what it was about. And what really made that special and conceptual was that I ordered all of my scans and my medical records from growing up and I had them shipped to Los Angeles and I cut them up and I used them as collage in my artwork. And I'm like telling the story, talking about my deal, my battle with, you know, this invisible condition. And the teacher's like, what do you mean? Like, there's no evidence of that. And I was like, oh, did you look there? Because there's actually a picture of a bone that's actually being used as a highlight. But if not, I'm happy to point out other options. And like her jaw hits the floor. Everyone in the class is like, like they couldn't believe I did that. But again, I had no other way to articulate myself than with art. And they say, and what is it? An image is worth a thousand words kind of thing. So a picture, what is it? Maybe a picture is worth a thousand words. Yes, exactly. Sorry, I've been up since like five. So yeah, basically that's how it all started. And then again, when I faced this a second time with a teacher not letting me use my laptop to write my notes, like I was again just baffled that they would confront a 19-year-old, 20-year-old student dealing with something like this and just tell them no. Like who mm. does that? First yeah. of all, so I ended up going out to a support group of people who live with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. I took photographs of them and then I came to class like unannounced. Well, not unannounced, but like I hadn't told the teacher what my project was going to be. And again, it was like this surprise moment where I was like, oh, yeah, these people actually live with what I have. And it was, again, a moment where like I made the teacher like get teary eyed, like her jaw hits the floor. Like she's like, oh, my God, what? And then third time when it happens was just a very complex case of like ableism or creative differences, whatever you want to call it that it's just like, I get really heated going into it, but I ended up petitioning the school to switch teachers and I ended up switching and all was well after that. So yeah, that's like my journey with higher education. But again, like what I said before, I think my generation Gen Z is really empowered to say, hi, like this isn't right. I'm going to prove to you why it's not right. And if you want to have a discussion about it, we can find ways to move forward that makes sense so that this never happens again, so that nobody has to go through that hurt, that pain, that experience of being like diminished when it's something that you literally can't change about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So you decided to really take matters into your own hand and sounds like also, you know, help others who may find themselves in that situation in the future. Yeah. Exactly. What inspired you or like pushed you? Was it just your own experience or was there something specific that like made you actually take a stand? Because like you said, maybe if this was 10 years ago, you'd just be like, yeah, this is the professor I have. I had like a calling. Like it was just like a gut, like you want to mess with me? Okay, fine. Game on, bitch. Like I don't mess around. I'm like, if you want to disrespect me like that, fine. Let me do it. And actually let me publicly embarrass you. Mm. Not in like a vindictive way, but in a, wow, you really messed up. Like you should never treat a student like this again. Like that's the, that's the kind of moment that I, I was really going for. And again, like I never want to like make a teacher lose their job. I could have gone to the dean, not once, not twice, but three times I could have gone to the dean and said, hi, these teachers are violating my Americans for Disabilities Act right now. 
and they're not letting me use my 504 disability accommodation in the class that I need to graduate from your school, I think you need to have a serious conversation with them in their like tenure as a teacher, right? I could have done that. But instead I said, no, let me make every single person in the room aware of how messed up this teacher is and be a little shameless and share my story And with that, again, help others never deal with this and maybe also help others find ways to heal through their art. Mm, That makes sense. From there, how did you end up getting into or diving into social media and your own show and starting to create content on your own? Well, yeah, that's like a loaded question. But when I was dealing with my worst health issues. I also was doing a lot of content for brands already. I was working with Abercrombie and Tinder and TikTok. And I really just like had this moment where I was like, why am I not talking about the thing that I struggle with every single day? Like other people deal with this. I know that there's supportive communities out there of people that deal with the same stuff. Like what, you know, would what would happen if I started sharing about it? So I started talking about, I started talking about how also like I have this relationship with my body image because my chronic illness has debilitated me for years. And it's been something that's restricted me from working out or having a good self-care routine because I'm always, I mean, some days, most days I don't brush my hair. Like, and people don't know that about me because I always look so put together, right? But Mm. the truth is most days I'm not wearing makeup, I don't brush my hair, and I'm in pajamas all day. But what you see online is me out for my daily walk. You see, you know, maybe the days that I do go to events where I'm like looking super well. You don't see the days where I'm necessarily going and getting procedures done. So I actually just like vlogged my entire experience this morning of getting um, an endoscopy. But the reason why I share that is because I never want anybody else to feel like ashamed or alone in that. Because growing up, I grew up with a phone in my hand. Like I never had somebody to look up to, to be like, wow, I live with that too. Or wow, I have to go get that. I'm really scared about it. Maybe like I can like relieve some of those anxieties that people have about getting a procedure done or help somebody's quality of life or even just sharing about my journey in higher education and how I can help people who are going through similar things get the accommodations that they need and advocate for themselves. Maybe not through, you know, as (laughs) not even passive aggressive, as aggressive of a medium as I did, but maybe through, you know, just like saying hi, like to the disability advisor, I really need some extra support from you right now. Like, can you help me? So Mm. I think there's a lot of things that I do, but that is a little bit of how I kind of started merging the two. And I guess, again, like I said before, I initially started posting online, showcase and share my photography at a young age. So it definitely has come full circle. Has anything changed since you started really showing like your real self because it sounds like originally you were showing more content with brands and things like that and then you started showing what it was like actually living with your chronic illness and things like that i'm curious did anything change in your life once you started putting out content that was like 100 percent authentically you did anything change in my specific life i mean i think maybe yes maybe no but i think that's where i really saw that tremendous growth online and that's where i saw people coming to me messaging me from all over the world like 
your content makes me feel seen. You know, I am halfway across the world because of what you talk about. I now have a diagnosis or I was able to tell the doctor that, no, I don't want to have a fellow in the room or I don't want to have somebody else in the room while you're examining me. Like that, I just want the doctor, like I'm paying for the doctor. I'm not paying to be a medical study, right? Like Mm -hmm. talking about those kinds of things and helping patients understand really their place in the medical system and how they can and should interact with medical professionals within the medical community is something that I think is really important. And I've also just had, I guess, in terms of life changes, like a ton of speaking opportunities to talk to college students at different universities, as well as talking to, you know, corporations also about mental health and about authenticity online. And also as a patient advocate, talking about how I utilize social media to really be the best advocate that I can and help as many people. So yeah, things definitely have picked up now that I talk (laughs) about it. I think one thing that's really interesting or fascinating about your story is really how like you're using social media as a force for good. Because today, maybe you hear a lot of like of the older generation or even both my sisters recently became parents and they're like truly scared, I would say. I don't know if scared is the right word, but maybe a little bit fearful around social media and what it has in store for the future because of what social media can do or can make people feel about themselves. And I, I love how you're using social media really as a force of good and showing how others can do the same. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think that's exactly what I'm going for is that it's not just like my platform and doing something on an individual level. It's being able to be that kind of like spark for people to implement things that will eventually disrupt the system of social media being something that is bad and harmful. And while there are a lot of studies shown that do say that, you know, increased use of social media, increased use of scrolling is shortening our attention spans. It's making us really want that like instant gratification or like the dopamine that we get when we get those numbers rolling in. I think if we can detach ourselves from that and focus on like the actual content itself that we're consuming and rewire the way that we're using social media, that we can hopefully see a much safer and enjoyable environment online. Mm. And also having it be obviously not 100%, but as much as we can have it be educational and making sure that with that, we're following the right resources that we're not just following people kind of talking out of their butts. So it's really interesting. And as different platforms and different technologies emerge, for example, Web3, I was talking about this on another show last week, like we're already seeing body shaming happening in the metaverse. And I can't imagine how much more that's going to increase as we move forward in technology Mm. and with technology. Because right now it's like an exact attack on a specific person. But what happens when you start to attack their assets online, right? It's going to be gnarly, honestly. And it's going to be a huge learning curve. I'm no expert, but I know right now that looking at it, I can definitely, definitely predict that that's going to start happening. And it's going to be a little bit scary. Web3 is definitely a bit crazy. I'm curious, going back to living with with your chronic illness, 
how has that shaped your perspective on life or how you go about living your life on a daily basis today? Yeah, this is a great question because it changes from day to day. Yesterday, I spent maybe like four hours cleaning and tidying my room because I hadn't done laundry in a month. And I had let my room get, you know, almost to where there was no path on the floor. And that happens to me frequently because I just get so caught up and exhausted in the moment that I just don't have the energy to put it away or I don't have the energy to do my laundry or to clean the floor because I'm going to be in pain. And it's definitely something that's really made my relationship again with body image challenging because of the limitations I've faced around working out and having a healthy lifestyle. My GI issues have caused me to have a lot of dietary restrictions and that leads to like binging a lot of the time. The medications I'm on suppress my appetite. Therefore, again. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And feeding into weird eating habits as well as weird dieting that has occurred and On top of that, back to what I said earlier with like self-care, brushing my teeth. I brush my teeth. Don't get it twisted. I meant to say brushing my hair. Brushing my hair, even changing into like a real outfit a lot of the times can be challenging for me. The pandemic has honestly only accelerated, I think, my lens on how to manage my chronic illness because I've been inside. I've been in the optimal environment for managing a chronic illness, really. Mm-hmm. I've been able to have access to a bath, to a shower, to food, you know, to a couch, to a bed. I have a swimming pool and the gym in my building. So, you know, a lot of convenience at the tip of my hands. What's been challenging has actually been the reemergence, I would say, into society since the pandemic happened, because in the fall of 2019, I was wrapping up. And in the beginning of 2020, right as the pandemic happened, I was on my medically reduced course load. And I was just starting to try and get a grip on things and go to the doctor's appointments and figure everything out. I got sent home. And then I'm like inside. And I'm like, well, shit, what do I do now? Like, how can I be a 20 year old? I went into the pandemic 21. And I had turned 24 on May 10th. So Mm. (laughs) like, it's really interesting to have also grown so much in two years. And again, with that, like, I, I just think it's been like a whirlwind. And 
Am I the best at self-care? Am I flawless? No, not at all. Definitely, it's something I struggle with. I struggle with binging still. I would say something I have really, I think, dove into or leaned into has been building my confidence and figuring out ways to stay confident even when you feel super shitty. And yeah, that's the biggest thing that I've learned. Would you say it's like shaped your perspective on like the human spirit being resilient? Because obviously like just you living, going about your day-to-day is very different than someone who doesn't have a chronic illness, obviously. So I'm curious as it relates to resilience or your perspective around that. Yeah. How has that influenced or shaped that piece of your life? Yeah, I love the word resilient. I would say living with a chronic illness, regardless of your age, regardless of what it is, regardless of even if it's a mental illness or a mental health condition, it does make you resilient because you're forcing yourself to survive based on a set of variables that are often unchangeable. And the way to change and control it is usually drugs <laughs> and mindset. Like, I don't know what other options there really are. Mm. But it has definitely played into, I think, a lot of the, if I've made it through my worst days, I'll make it through today kind of mindset. And I definitely do think about that often. Again, like when I was mentioning before about reemerging into social settings, like I feel like I've made it through a lot of the worst of the pandemic. And that's been really challenging for me to kind of get back out there again and meet people and be fearless and hanging out. And I was like, wait, Gigi, like you talk to people daily anyway. Like the only difference is you get that real human connection, which is what you literally talk about online and you love and you just have to lean into it. And then once you push yourself a little bit more, you end up really enjoying, I think you enjoy it even more because in a way you feel more accomplished because you've had a little bit of like a block around why it might be scary or why there's some fear coming up around it. And living with a chronic illness has also pushed me in ways that I can't even really describe. I mean, this morning I had an endoscopy. Like I woke up at five, I went under anesthesia, they did the whole procedure. I like ate my food after, came back, had more food. And now I'm here recording and like a normal person would probably have canceled their entire day. But I'm like, no, like it's just a normal Monday for me. Like that's Mm. just a normal procedure. And it's made getting blood work done, getting 13, 15 tubes of blood taken out normal, getting all of these different medical tests, seeing these doctors, being able to constantly like repeat your medical history to new doctors or to the fellows coming in or to also advocate for yourself when maybe something hasn't worked, saying to the doctor, honestly, hi, yeah, like, you know, I don't really think this is working. Or for example, getting on the scale backwards, if you don't want to hear your weight, hi, I would really, you know, prefer if you didn't share my weight with me, I'm going to stand on the scale backwards. I just, I have an issue with knowing my weight right now. And a lot of the times, if you're able to even articulate that, it can change the whole dynamic of the setting. Instead of putting you in a mindset of being like super uncomfortable and like sad and having these like negative thoughts about yourself in the doctor's office, instead you can be empowered and like be on top of everything and have as much control as you really can over the situation, which I think is also the root of why 
patient advocacy and confidence kind of go hand in hand. So yeah, it's definitely made me resilient. And I also think on top of that, chronic illness and like trauma or medical problems in general, just because you go through them and come out the other side doesn't mean that all of your achievements are correlated to or like it doesn't make you a more successful business person despite having a chronic illness or more, you know, impressive, right? Like mm. that's what we call inspiration porn where people are so inspired that you've done so much despite being disabled or having an ailment. But I think they can coexist separately. They don't have to be together. Like they live adjacent to one another. You can be super badass, achieve so much and be like a really amazing person in general. And you can also suffer and like deal with a lot of stuff. I don't necessarily think they like overlap or like are fully related. Yeah, absolutely. I totally get what you mean in, in saying that. So I am curious as it relates to success and striving to be successful. I do have a, a couple of questions as it relates to how you view success, how you define success. I guess I'd love to just start with that. I would say like what you're doing is definitely more the road less traveled. I'm sure, you know, you're plugged into a lot of people who are content creators and creating awesome content. But I would say for the average person, it's definitely not like someone's full-time pursuit. Yeah, it's definitely challenging. I mean, I think I wrote about this last week, like talk to me about the day in the life. I mean, like again, today I had an endoscopy. <laughs> I am on a podcast now. I'm going on another podcast later. Then I have a short break where I'm writing my final paper for class. Sorry to my professor if you're hearing this. I'm definitely cramming. And then I have a call with, you know, somebody from Spotify on my Spotify team. Then I have another meeting that I forget exactly what it is. And then I have a podcast recording and then I have class. And then tomorrow, right? I am waking up. I have a meeting. I have an influencer brunch. I have a lunch with my friend and we're creating content together. Then I've got a media pitch at, then I am getting on the phone for an interview and then I have an event and then I have class. So like, is that the road less traveled? Absolutely. Would I give it up for the world? Absolutely not. Like I love every moment of it. And part of it is because I get to connect with so many people. So what do I define a success. I think being proud of what you do every day and being electrified and passionate about what you do means that you're being successful. Is money and, you know, accolades related to success? I think sometimes when you equate success to a benchmark goal, for example, for me, I want to be on Forbes 30 under 30. I'm, you know, going to be 24. That means I have six years left. Just because I want to hit that goal doesn't necessarily mean that when I hit that goal, I will be at my like the pinnacle of what I consider success. I think it does come internally. And I think the accolades are really only a byproduct of some of the success. It's not what defines it. The success is the pinata and the accolade can be a piece of the candy. Mm, and I, yeah, and I think it's different for every person. You have to figure out what makes you really energized and what 
makes you like tick as people say how you beat to your own drum and whether that's like excelling and getting a promotion in work or maybe that means you know meeting your life partner maybe that means you know founding a business or modeling for a certain company like there's so many things that success can be but you're the only person that can really i think define and also like nail down like yes I'm so proud of myself and how do you like you feel successful in any moment I think you just have to like literally stare at yourself in the mirror and be like holy shit I'm proud you got out of bed today I'm proud that you did blah 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 I can't believe you did that that's amazing like I talk to myself in the mirror all the time you can't see right now but like I have mirrors like all over my room on this wall that I'm kind of talking to you on. And part of that is because I like mirrors, first of all, but second of all, and they reflect a lot of light. It's like an (laughs) optical illusion. But second of all is because I do talk to myself quite often. And I think because my path is less traveled, I work in this room. My entire business has been built in this bedroom in my apartment. And I just have to remind myself that like, this is my humble beginning. Like, this is not the end for me. This is just the beginning. And again, just remember that no label or like achievement is ever going to define your success. I only think it can add to it. Mm, I love that. I like how you're saying, you know, around you have to define your own success because one of the challenges with social media is I do think a lot of people find themselves comparing where they're at in life or what they have compared to this person or that person. And I think that that's one of the, one of the challenges that come with social media is that you're kind of in this constant comparison and I'm in my own business and I've fallen victim to it where I'm scrolling and I'm like, what am I doing that I don't have what that entrepreneur has? Mm -hmm. And am I at the point where I want to be, or am I doing something wrong? So, you know, you see sort of that highlight reel. And I think that is one of the challenges. And I think, yeah, really getting clear on what you define your own path as success or what you define success as can actually make you a lot happier. Yeah, it's exactly what you're saying. It's like your definition of success makes you happy and by proxy will lead you back to that beginning point. It'll lead you to that roadmap of how to be successful or how to achieve what you want to achieve, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I'm so curious, where does your like go-getter attitude or, and I know you talk quite a bit on other podcasts and you've mentioned it around shooting your own shot. And I'd love if you could share a little bit about one, what that means to you, but also just like where that attitude comes from. Honestly, I have no idea where that attitude comes from. Do you think that's something you can learn? I do think it's something you can learn. And here's why. I think like growing up, Obviously, like our parents, for the most part, want us to be the best version of ourselves, or they've given up so much for us to get where we are in general. And I think I've had like the support of my family growing up, not only with my health, but also with like achieving whatever. When I had to give up competitive swimming, it was like, okay, well, you're not stopping. Like, what's going to be next? Right. And Mm. kind of asking those guiding questions and just being like, kill it, like nail it. Like I think all of those kinds of like positive reinforcements have always been helpful. And this is probably going to be controversial, but I did grow up in a Tony Robbins household. And I don't know if any of our listeners are familiar with that, but do you know what I'm talking about? 
The speaker. Yeah, like one of the most famous speakers on our planet right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I would say probably some of that has rubbed off on me from, you know, the teachings that my my dad learned and kind of rolled over onto me growing up. But it's hard to listen to him and not feel somewhat inspired. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, there's a lot of things that I love. And there's a lot of things I'm like, eh, whatever. And that's how I view everything in life. Like it's literally like a buffet. And we're just choosing what meal we want to put together. And that's especially true when you're taking advice from like these like, super motivational people. Like you're not going to love every single thing they say, or you're not going to be able to apply every single thing they say. But I think subconsciously, it's where you start asking yourself the questions and figuring out like, well, like what commitments am I going to make for myself to be my happiest? And again, by proxy, be my most authentic, successful self. How can people embrace the idea around that they actually even have choices? Because you know, a lot of people in their early 20s, early 30s, they sort of end up going down this career path and they get to a point where they say, this is what I've done for the last five years, seven years, decade, and this is where I'm at. And I know a lot of people who they don't necessarily think that they have, they don't necessarily have the mentality that, hey, I'm at a buffet and I can actually choose this path. A lot of people sort of just wander and they end up in a path and then they say, am I happy here? Or they wake mm-hmm. up one day and they decide that they're no longer happy, but they might think it's actually too late. Yeah, I mean, I think it starts and ends with uncertainty. The only reason why people put themselves in a box or they say, oh, no, this can be only be my one meal forever in life or this one restaurant, I guess we could expand it to a restaurant, right? Like they (laughs) believe it's only a certain way because they are comfortable being in a situation where they know what the outcome's going to be. They know after they do X amount of years, they're going to get a certain amount of payroll increase or they're going to get a bonus or they're going to get a certain amount in their 401k, right? Versus the uncertain path or the person who lives off of uncertainty, me, is like, what's the next thing I can do? How can I do it better than the last time? What can I do that's going to be like groundbreaking, what are the partners? Who are the key partners involved? How can I build my network, right? And not that other box of people don't have that. It's just they want that certain safety blanket underneath them. And a lot of the times they can be, I guess, so tucked into the covers that they really, really are not even willing to like wake up in a lot of ways. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they're so certain that taking the road of uncertainty is going to pay off, that they're exhilarated by whatever change comes their way. And that's how I personally feel. That's how I, again, thrive. Like I love that every day is different. I love that every single call that I have or every single podcast interview that I do is different. I love mm-hmm. that every you know photo shoot comes out with a different outcome or and I meet different people versus if you're in, again, nine to five or that corporate kind of ladder, you're experiencing the same exact feedback every single day for the most part. Maybe slight changes, but overall, the structure is the exact same. And when you do that for so long, you're going to get really stuck in it. So yeah, that's my advice. I try to share and pull from other people's stories that you can choose. You can actually make a conscious choice around the direction that you want to take your life. But it's really interesting. And I don't know if you how often you're speaking to like older people as well. But I find it really interesting because like I've spoken with uncles or aunts that are of the 
previous generations and their mentality is, you know, so much, you go get a job to pay your bills, to take care of your family, to cover whatever your cost of livings are. And you don't need to like your job. If you don't like your job, that's okay. And in my past, when I'm speaking to like my uncle and or family friend, and they're of that mentality or mindset. And they say, you know, sometimes you need to do the thing you don't love because that's what pays the bills. And I'm just like, that was your choice. You know, that was your choice in your own life mm -hmm. to pick a path that maybe you felt was secure, whether it was or wasn't whatever that's for a different time, but you chose this path. And ultimately you chose maybe to be unhappier and you settled, but you easily could have chosen a path that you were happier. Maybe you were making a little bit less money. Who knows where it would have brought you, but you ultimately chose this destination that you're at today. Yeah. That doesn't need to necessarily be the path that you know, you, you need to go on. Yeah. And I'm not saying here, like, go rogue, quit your job, find a new one, join a startup, make a startup. Like, no, like <laughs> do everything that you can with like intention and also with like a calculated outcome, right? For me, it's if I'm not making X amount by, you know, age 26, which I've got like two more years, then I'm like, okay, maybe then it's time for me to go back and potentially figure something else out, right? And I think that that's okay. Like that's a calculated benchmark in my mind. Obviously, that's never going to happen. Like I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing forever. But <laughs> just in case, like that's been in my mind and that's been discussed with the people that support me that, you know, I look up to my aunts, my uncles, my parents to really help me gauge, I guess, like the best outcome for myself in life. But also I have this other pillar of my life that a lot of them haven't dealt with, which is chronic illness, which means I couldn't work a full-time job even if I wanted to, like mm. because of all my appointments and because of everything else that comes with being a patient. So I think it kind of all works itself out. But yes, everybody does have the choice. I think you just also have to be willing to lean into it and be willing to fail and be willing to learn. Because a lot of time also, that was something I didn't mention, a lot of people are not okay with failing and they're also not okay with putting in extra work to learn how to do things. So, yeah. So is that what you mean when you say shoot your shot? Yes and no. In terms of shooting your shot, I think you can, again, achieve anything you want to achieve. I have a journal. I keep it on my nightstand. And I write like I write wish lists every quarter, basically. Um, and sometimes things roll over for the most part, they do. You know, it's always changing. But like, I like looking at my wish list from last year, and being able to cross off almost every single thing that I did in 2021. Yeah, it feels good. It not only feels good. <laughs> But it's like I am building the blueprint that is the roadmap of my career, you know, like that is essentially what I'm doing now. And that's really cool. But in terms of shooting your shot, reach out to the person, send them a message, send them a cold email, send them a DM. Like the worst that's going to happen if somebody's not going to respond, the best that's going to happen is you get to talk to that person. <laughs> like there's really no other way around it. Some people, one of my interns reached out to me and she was with me for eight months. Um, she'd since moved on because she graduated, but like she was with me for eight months. Another intern was like, hey, I have this roommate and she's an excellent writer. Do you need any copy editors? And I was like, actually, yes. So then because she asked, 
her friend now has a job with me, you know? So yeah. I think it's it's a moment where you just have to be shameless in asking. And at the very least, you're getting your name out there. It's never a no. It's like a not right now. And if more people did take that mentality instead of being like, wow, that person read my DM and they didn't respond, like that's so embarrassing no, it's not. Like, literally, people read messages all day, every single day. Like, don't take things so personally. So shoot your shot, go for whatever you want. And yeah, you never know the outcome. Couldn't agree more. Well, we can start to wrap up this episode. The Bits of Gold podcast is all about building your dream life. So with that being said, what would be your bits of gold on how to build the life you love? How to build the life you love. (sighs) That's a great question. I'm still figuring it out is what I'll say. But, you know, I think also really being intentional with everything you do is of utmost importance. And it's something that will carry you through whatever it is, whether it's personal, work, relationships, health. I think if you're being intentional about who you're spending time with, how you're spending your time, where you're putting your energy, you know, where energy goes, energy flows. Like, I put my energy into patient advocacy. Guess what? Now I work with like pharma on big ads and that's like a major win for me, both for my community and for my bank account. And, you know, I think that again, it's a really cool moment to just believe in yourself. Like you have to believe in yourself. If you don't, you have to do more work internally before you can do anything to work on a business. Love it. Where can people find you, connect with you, follow you? (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. Again, this has been such a fun conversation. You can Google my name, Gigi Robinson, ggrobinson.com, or find me at the at symbol, the word it's, and then my name, Gigi Robinson at it's Gigi Robinson on all social media. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. If you like this episode, please take a minute, subscribe, share with a friend, and leave a review on Apple iTunes Podcast. It really helps with growing the show. One of my favorite bits of gold in this episode was Gigi's advice around shooting your shot, taking your chance. You have nothing to lose. So with that, enjoy your week, shoot your shot, chase your dreams, and continue to build your dream life. I love your podcast. This is gold. This is where it's at. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.